0: This is the Fun Kids Bookworms Podcast, where you can find out about the best books from the people who write them. I'm Bex, and this week we have got loads of extra special adventures in our very Christmassy episode. We're going to check in with the QI Elves, we've got a chat with Serena Patel about her new compilation book, The Very Merry Murder Club, and we've got a reading from actual comedian, writer, and legend, Ben Miller. So first up, you know what? Let's check in with the QI Elves. They have a brand new book telling us all about the answers to kind of literally everything. So let's check in and see what questions they've been asked and what answers they've given. I am joined right now by Anne Miller and Emily Jupitus, two QI Elves. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Good, thank you. Oh, my goodness. I am... So happy to have you back on Fun Kids because, uh so last year we had you on and I'd I'd read your book Funny You Should Ask and this year you've got Funny You Should Ask again and you've got even more questions packed into it. We do, we do. We've been working away on that yeah. <laughs> since the last one. As many questions as we can fit in a hardback book. Yes, I love it so much. Uh So Anne, tell me. I guess we have to we have to tell all
1: the listeners just to give some background. What exactly is a QI Elf? So a QI Elf. We are a company. Our full name is quite interesting. Limited. And basically our job as elves is, elf is kind of a catch-all term. And basically it means that our main job is to find interesting information. So really fun facts. So for example, there's one in the book about um, the longest anyone's ever left a light on is 120 years. That's a bulb <laughs> that's been going at a fire station in California and so we gather all these bits of information that we find really fun. And then we sort of bundle them together. I know you'll be asked this question all the time, but is there a particular question in the book that blew your mind?
0: Was there, was there one? Um, and you can go first. If there's one question or answer that you were like, oh my goodness, this is amazing.
1: I just couldn't believe I didn't know this. I don't know. If, have you heard this fact that the average person, sorry, this is a little bit <laughs> gross, but it's sort of Halloweeny, So maybe it's okay. Um, have you heard this fact that the average person swallows eight spiders during a lifetime? Mm-hmm. I- I've heard something similar to that, yeah. So I've heard it and just thought, oh, that's just a thing we know, like, it's just a fact. It's absolutely not true, which is on the one hand, a massive relief, and on the other hand, incredibly interesting. So it's, it comes from an art they can exactly trace it back to an article in 1993 by a journalist called Lisa Holst Um, and basically she was writing about the fact that people will believe anything they read online. This was back in the 90s, so the internet was quite new. So she made up these sort of silly facts to show that once someone read them, they'd become true. And one of them was this one about swallowing spiders. But it kind of has become in that sort of, it's a thing people sort of, think they know think they've heard but it was it's not true it was made up as an example of misinformation spreading and I find that both a huge relief and fascinating about the way things move around and the way you know things become that we think we know something but where did we learn it from that's amazing Emily how about you
2: um, I really like the questions, you know, the ones that sort of follow you around. Kids ask and they sort of <laughs> kids tend to ask them and then they follow you throughout your life and you never get around to sort of looking up. I love those <laughs> kinds of ones. So in this book, it was um, are zebras black with white stripes or white with black stripes? And it, it's that, exactly. It's a classic question that's kind of always asked in jest. And I just was remembering going that must actually have an answer. And we looked into it <laughs> and I remember and there is an answer and it's that they are black with black and white stripes in that if you shave a zebra, their skin is black. <laughs> so they're, they're um. actually black underneath all of the fur. And then the fur grows on top and the fur is black and white striped. But but their skin is black. So there is an answer that they are black with black and white stripes.
0: That's so good. And you know, that's the kind of thing that like everybody listening and me right now, that I'll that'll just stick with me. That's one of those things that I'm just like, I think in the future, I'll just know that fact. That's because I, I get the impression you guys must go through so many. Do you kind of, do you learn it, research it, put it out there, and
1: then do you forget it immediately, or do these facts always stick with you? Uh, Han, how does it work for you? Um, for me, and unfortunately for my friends and family, they come up when I hear a key word. So, someone's talking about like I don't know, having a cheese sandwich, I'll be like, oh, I've got a fact about cheese, and you have to sort of bring it <laughs> in a bit. Because in the office, this is delightful; we do this all day. Um, whereas if you're, you know, like at someone's birthday party, they might not want to talk about tarantulas for the entire time, so you have to mm. pick pick your audience.
2: Yeah, I tend to forget them as well. I'm very, very, that sort of come out of the exam and it's immediately gone sort of thing. There are loads of stuff. And I sit there going... Something comes up, and I think I did know something about this. I definitely researched it. It's definitely in there somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like Anne says, you sometimes need the right keyword to actually bring the fact back to the forefront of mm. the memory, and it just might not be in your rotor of what you happen to be remembering that day. Uh, so a lot of things yeah. I do forget, but <laughs> some of them do stick in there, and things like that, like the zebra one, ones that are an are sort of a, a long-awaited answer to something you've been wondering for most of your life, and mm. it finally comes. And when it's really sort of pleasing, when the answer is pleasing and the answer is sort of snappy, I find that's when it really does stick in there, um, which is one of the things we love about QI. And one of the whole things about uh, the sort of message behind everything we do is to try and make as much information as possible snappy and fun and memorable so it sticks in there a little more often
0: you've also got a lovely um kind of a few christmas bu- uh, questions in the book as well i guess perfect because everybody's thinking what should we get for christmas um do you guys have like a particular
1: favorite christmas fact as well oh that's a good question i had a lot of fun looking into um christmas songs that was really fun so somebody asked us how many christmas songs are there and I think, if I'm remembering rightly, this was a question we were asked for the radio and we thought this is going to take a long time to mm. answer. However, as Emily says, for the book, we've got a lot more words. We can play with this. My friend who loves music quizzes recommends this website because every song that's charted in the top 100 since 1952, you can view it online. So you can look up all these songs and see what's there. So we started um, putting in the keyword Christmas to see what came up. And you find all these classics like Last Christmas and I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. Um, and then lots of different ones as well, like novelty ones by the Smurfs and Bob the Builder and different things like that. And it includes 12 different versions of white Christmas that all wow. appeared at different times in there. So that's quite a lot. And then if you do words like Santa or Snowman, that brings up different words. And then that's only counting, obviously, pop songs that are charted. So when you then look at Christmas carols, um, the English Book Dance um, Society and Song Society, they have a database of 3,500 Christmas carols. Wow. So that's different ones from the charts and then obviously you've got ones all around the world as well so basically we think the number is impossible to count because there have been so many and obviously they're always being written every year in all around the world so that number is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time we hit christmas and i think that's quite fun like it would probably be impossible to learn all of those songs but quite a fun challenge i think to see how many you can get your hands on <laughs> oh
0: my goodness yeah the uh, now that's what i call christmas album would be jam packed if you did every
1: possible christmas <laughs> yeah, song yeah i can you yep. be so great the disco would last for weeks <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Emily, how about you? What's your favourite Christmas fact?
2: I mean, I'm big on food. I'm very food orientated as a person. And so my sort of favourite Christmas fact from the book was about why do we call a Christmas pudding a plum pudding sometimes when there doesn't tend to have plums in it? Um, and mm. the sort of original Christmas pudding wasn't even a cake. It was more of a sort of porridge. It was sort of wheat boiled with milk and spices, sometimes plain, but some recipes included like traditionally, you could get this sort of porridge with beef, mutton or even porpoise, like the dolphin. What? So, yeah, the wow. really old traditional recipes had some crazy things going on. Um, but by the 17th century, it was like thickened with eggs. It used to get breadcrumbs in it and it started to look a bit more like a sweet pudding that we sort of recognize these days. Um But it's settled on, you know, by the Victorian era, it's, you know, kind of a pretty much a fruit cake, you know, the the dried fruit, the sugar, the breadcrumbs, the spices and all of that. But still, you're like, where are the plums? Well, plum was an (laughs) Elizabethan word that tended to describe all dried fruit, including the sultanas, raisins and currants and the things you do put in a plum pudding. So plum just used to mean the dried fruit and it was a dried fruit pudding. So that's why it is actually called a plum pudding.
1: It's much snappier than uh, sultana, raisin, and or apricots and plums and cherries pudding, right?
2: Isn't it? It's <laughs> you know the alliteration is quite pleasing.
0: The alliteration and the lack of the porpoise in it as well. Yeah. I I mean, a
2: porpoise would in you know, follow along the alliteration, but a plum porpoise pudding is probably,
0: uh, (laughs) might be pleasing (laughs) to say,
2: not so pleasing to eat, I imagine. I
0: I bet your office is so much fun. I mean, the Fun Kids office is pretty fun, but I imagine in QIL's office is just a hive of activity. You must be just busy all of the time, just being like lots of whiteboards and blackboards everywhere. I feel like lots of posters all over the shop. Would (laughs) that be
1: right? and a lot a a lot of books the qi library is quite special there's a book they're arranged by subject so there's you sort of go and like browse one section you'll find like an entire book on like the history of the baguette and things like that and you're like i want to read this book i've got one on my desk right now which is a history of the fridge which i'm very excited to read
2: yeah, overheard in the QI office is a fantastic game because you just sort of wander in and you know the elves uh, if there's someone already in you wander in and they'll look up and go did you know and just shout <laughs> some sort of exciting thing they've just found out uh from the from the day across at you and then you sort of run over and go
1: show me show me there's there's so much of that. It's a really really good point though because I think the really key thing about what we do is everything we're finding out we're generally finding out for the first time that we're not we're not Sitting down and just saying, "Oh, I already know this." We're literally mm. getting books about baguettes and fridges and snails and bricks and reading them until we get something that makes us turn to the next person and be like, "You will never guess what I've just read about snakes." And it's a really fun way to just always because this information is everywhere. It's just you know taking time to read you know the footnotes in books or the the books that maybe haven't been touched for a while or to find things on the internet or in magazines or, or even like I once found a fact in the queue in the post office. It was the, <laughs> I, the fact was that um the word "stress" is the word "desserts" backwards, and I just thought that's. That's very oh, funny yeah. <laughs> i've never seen it before and once i was on a train and there was someone behind me reading jokes out of a joke book and obviously like i, I like a joke so i was i could sort of hear them because they were behind me and they said i didn't realize it was a joke book at first because they said "Do you know what cheese is made backwards and i was thinking oh, that's a strange question as in like they start mm-hmm. with the cheese and they turn it into milk or and then they went edam and i was like, well, <laughs> it's spelled." Adam is spelled made spelled backwards, and I was like, "That is very funny. I'm going to remember that." And I have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, those little things it does it does kind of tell people you need to keep your eyes and ears open all the time because you never know when you'll come across an amazing fact, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Eyes open, you never know. Oh, brilliant stuff. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting to us, um Anne and Emily. Uh, that was awesome. And funny, you should ask again, is out. Everybody needs to go and buy it because it's just something for everybody, including my favourite topic, uh, Eurovision. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, guys, thank you so much. And hopefully, we'll speak to you soon for even more QI Elf projects.
3: I'm James Stewart. And in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions.
4: Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it?
3: And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planets Earth, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thank you very much to the QI Elves. And next up in today's Christmassy show, we thought we'd chat to Serena Patel. Now, she's an amazing writer herself, but her and Robin Stevens have put together a new book with lots of different authors coming together to write their very own mini murder mysteries in the Very Merry Murder Club. Let's hear more from Serena. Serena Patel, how are you doing?
4: (laughs) I'm fine, thank you. Hello. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Feels like speaking to an old friend (laughs) back on...
0: (laughs) back on the show. Uh, But this time, I mean, I I should say, really, our listeners will know you as the author of the Anisha Accidental Detective series. But this time, you've come back to us with a bit of a twist, a bit of a different type of book project, The Very Merry Murder Club. Uh, What is going on here?
4: Yes, I'm so excited uh, to be bringing this to you. So, this is an anthology of 13 authors and readers hopefully will recognize some of the names that are on the anthology Um, and it's a twist on the traditional mystery genre so it's bringing something fresh to the genre Uh, some of these writers already write mysteries some of them don't Um, and we've just got a whole host of wonderful festive themed mystery stories for our readers to enjoy.
0: I have to admit I saw this book was it must have been announced a little while ago and it it did um uh, pique my interest shall we say because obviously I know you uh, Robin Stevens and it's just such a good idea and also I, saw, I know Elle McNichol a little bit so I knew that she's in the book too um, you have got quite a great lineup of authors you must be very happy with who's taken part
4: yeah, it's so exciting to be working with these authors. I mean, a lot of these authors I admire, I've read their work and, you know, so it's a huge privilege for me to have my name on this book um, and to contribute a story. But yeah, we, right at the beginning when I was asked to um, be part of this project, we sort of had a wish list of who we would like to be involved and that was really exciting to do um, and thankfully um, they all said yes, so uh, we've, been, <laughs> we've, we've been really lucky.
0: So can you give us some of the names of the people taking part?
4: Yeah, so we've got Abiola Bello, Annabelle Sammy, Benjamin Dean, Dominique Valente, Elmett McNichol, Maisie Chan, Rupert Farooqi, E.M. uh Mizrana Farouk, Patrice Lawrence, Joanna Williams, myself, um, and <laughs> Shana Jackson. Um, and then we've been illustrated by the amazing um, and uber-talented Harry Woodgate. So it's just the whole package is just Um, phenomenal I feel really
0: proud of it it's you know you really should be it's such a great book and also I mean perfect as a as a present for Christmas I imagine but also perfect if you're a reader but you don't have time to sit down and read a full whole book it's amazing to get these like bite-sized perfectly crafted crafted stories
4: Definitely, yeah. Um, I think that's that's the joy of it, really. If you, as you say, if you want to sort of dip into something, you know, you don't have to read them all in order. You could just sort of pick one out, read that, um, and then come back to it later. Um, and it is, it's just a lovely gift edition. You know, we've got this amazing. I don't know if you've seen it, Bex, but under the dust jacket there is the most wonderful illustration, um, that Harry has put together, and it's got lots of little clues, um, to each story in the illustration in the scene so um yeah it's just a really special book to give as a gift
0: oh I didn't I don't think I saw that I have the pdf version online so maybe, maybe oh. I missed out oh my goodness <laughs> I'll go into a bookshop and have a look don't worry I'll go and have a little little, little check out. and of course you, like you say you've written a book uh, you've written a story for the book as well um which I have read and very much enjoyed can you tell I mean I don't want to obviously you can't give it away but can you tell the listeners a little bit about your story
4: Yeah, so my story is called Silent Night. And in it, we have a boy called Arjun, who is having to stay at home. It's the beginning of the year, all the festivities have passed. um, But unfortunately for Arjun, he's had to have his tonsils out. And so he's having to stay at home uh, for a little while to prevent infections. He hasn't been able to go back to school with all his friends and he's a bit bored. um, And so he takes to watching his neighbours um looks out of his window and sort of, you know, picks up on their habits and what they do at different times of the day. And then Arjun sees something, which he thinks that to start with is very exciting because it's a bit of drama. Um, he sees an argument and then that kind of leads to some of the things that he shouldn't see. And then he decides that he needs to investigate. Um, and I won't I won't go any further than that.
0: Yeah, nicely done, I've got to say. <laughs> hard to write kind of like murder or darker stories for kids or do you think you know I mean I know obviously Robin Stevens as well does it anyway for her kind of day job uh, or do you was it okay for you
4: um yeah I was kind of definitely a bit sort of uh worried about getting the tone right um obviously Anisha is pitched slightly younger um, than the audience for Very Merry Murder Club. Um, but I think I think I did okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just thinking about, you know, obviously not making it too scary, um, but having enough suspense and enough mystery to keep it interesting for the reader.
0: And was it fun to work with Robin as well, to pick the stories and to get them all together and to make the book?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. I was so um, honoured when I was asked. And um, yeah, Robin's an absolute legend within the kind of, uh, kid community and obviously how I've read her books and you know admire her what she's done with her series and so yeah it was just it was a lot of fun and to kind of come together and say you know well this is kind of a dream project who would you want to have involved you know what would we want it to look like and um, Farshaw sure have been absolutely fantastic at sort of putting everybody together to, uh, to make the book.
0: It's honestly it's such a lovely book and like I said I was genuinely really excited when I heard it was coming out because I was like Obviously, you guys, I've interviewed quite a few times and I know the names of the people in the book as well. I was like, this is such a good idea. I don't know why we don't have more anthology series because it's such a fun way of getting more readers, I think.
4: Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we're, we're starting to see a few more, aren't we? Um, but yeah, you know, it's as you say, it's got it, it, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds with an anthology because you're getting to. Uh, be introduced to authors you might not have already read um, and then that might make you want to pick up some of their other books Um, but also it's you know it's bite-sized it's easy to kind of pick up a story and then put it down and um, yeah just a really nice nice book to have. It
0: really is and speaking of nice books to have before I let you go I have to ask how is the Anisha series going what do you have next on the cards?
4: Uh, the Anisha series is going really well. Thank you for asking. um We've just recently released Showstoppers, which is the fourth book in the series, which is all about a school musical which gets uh, sabotaged. And um I'm currently uh, coming to the end of my edits on Five, which is out next spring.
0: Well, how many books do you are you planning in the Anisha series, or do you not know? You're just going to keep going.
4: Um, well, we've got six planned at the moment, so watch this space. I don't quite know what's going to happen after that. Um, but um, I'm starting to write book six now, um, and that one's got a bit of a Halloween theme, so uh, watch out for that.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, we'll get you back in the in the studio, hopefully, uh, in September, October next year. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, Serena, thank you so much for telling us all about The Very Merry Murder Club. And I guess I should really say, have a Merry Christmas yourself. Yes, and to you too. <laughs> Now it's time for our big recommendation of the month. Aaron Slater, Illustrator, is a book that's kind of taken our eye, shall we say. It's by Andrea Beattie, and it's a story about the power of art, finding your voice and telling your story, even when you're slightly out of step with everybody else in the world. So in the book, you've got Aaron. He loves listening to stories, and one day he wants to write them himself. But the thing is, when it comes to reading, he's not the best. It's not his favourite thing in the world and he feels like being a storyteller is out of reach until he realises that he could become an illustrator instead. The book is printed in a dyslexia-friendly font, so it's really accessible, really fun, really easy to read, and it's just such an awesome book. That is Aaron Slater, Illustrator. Now, before I go, I did promise you a reading from one of my old pals. Oh, my goodness, I love him so much. I think I've spoken to this man more than I've spoken to some members of my actual family. It is comedian and writer Ben Miller.
3: So there's a magic fountain, and if you drink from the fountain, that's when you can swap bodies with somebody. Um, so this is the bit where um, George and Midnight swap bodies. George was just dabbing a drop of water on his own tongue when he heard a slurping noise beside him. Midnight had climbed up from his seat on the grass and now had his head in the fountain, taking a noisy drink. George's jaw dropped. Midnight, stop! Don't drink the water, He yelled but it had been a long, hot day and midnight was very thirsty. George desperately grabbed the dog by its collar and tried to pull him back. George, don't be so mean, protested Coco. He's really thirsty. There was a blinding flash of moonlight and George began to feel dizzy. George, asked Coco, are you okay?" I've cast the spell by mistake. Coco laughed. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm serious, Coco. "'Muttered George, fighting to stay awake. "'I'm turning into a dog. "'Oh, oh "'And everything went dark. "'George? George!' "'He could hear Coco's voice calling him. "'George opened his eyes. "'Everything was blurry, as if he was underwater. "'The colours he could see looked like they were underwater too, "'just blues, yellows and greys. "'He tried to rub his eyes, but instead of a hand up came a black furry paw
0: big thank you to ben miller and serena patel and the qil for telling us all about their books in this Christmassy edition of the fun kids bookworms podcast remember to get in touch if you want to listen to me you can check me out on your dab digital radio online on the free fun kids mobile app and on your smart speaker just say play fun kids every weekday from 4 pm have an amazing book filled christmas see you